0: Hey, what's going on everybody on this episode you will learn why death planning is so important what is a will versus a will substitute what is probate and why you should avoid it and finally three free ways to avoid probate as always if this episode helps you or someone you know please do me a favor and share it thank you guys enjoy the show welcome to build your wealth muscle a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning back in. Today will be probably a shorter episode because I have to get to the airport in a few hours, but this is going to be a, a solo episode. So, for people who are just tuning in there's basically two fa- formats of this show uh, solo episodes like today where we can focus on a specific topic and try to go really deep those areas of comfort, or those topics are finance tax wealth management today we going to dive into estate planning but again it's the financial planning uh, topics as well as bi- <clears throat> business financial topics that we'll dive into on a solo episode. And then we also bring on guests and those are people who are experts in areas they're outside of my expertise. Like if it's sales, marketing, things like that, or mindset coaching, where they're a successful coach uh, in the fitness space. And they just want to talk about things that have made them successful. Um, So today's episode is is going to be diving deep on estate planning. Before I do that, I I just want to mention, I don't know. I personally have been trying to develop more understanding of the business, of the competition side of fitness. So one of the perks of living in Vegas Uh, A lot of the big shows come to me now that COVID's over, but uh, I've only been here two years. So for the first year and change, there's still no events coming here, but now things are happening again. So yesterday, as I'm recording this, yesterday I was at the World WBFF, which stands for, well, I guess the world part might be repetitive that I said it twice. It stands for World Beauty Fitness and Fashion. Again, it was my first time going to the show. It was really long. It was like 5.30 to 11, but it was pretty cool because it's... I don't know, like I'm sure other people could describe it better, but again, this is my first event. It, it seemed like a fashion or sorry, a fitness competition meets a beauty pageant. It was pretty cool. and they had men and women's categories Again, maybe people listening are like, obviously we all knew this, but I, I'm new to that. So that was cool learning it. But so I'm recording this on a Sunday that was Saturday night. So anyway, I just thought that was cool. and so I, I bring it up, especially in the, where I work out at it. Fit club. there's. A lot of people who are competitors in that event and they did extremely well so it was pretty cool being able to support people i actually know but anyway let's dive into this today today's topic is estate planning another term for that is death planning not too sexy not too exciting of a topic things that unfortunately a lot of people don't want to talk about with each other or with their children whether their children are young or adults it's a challenge in the financial planning space because i guess it's very uncomfortable you have to talk about you know What are we doing with this money after you're gone so before we dive in uh, i know this show is peppered with disclaimers but here's another one a lot of what we're going to talk about today is legal planning this is not i am not a lawyer this is not legal advice but a lot of these things that need to be done with estate planning need to be bound by a qualified legal professional by a qualified lawyer. And so it's important to bring that up because what I'm going to talk about today are some things that you can do that you don't necessarily need a lawyer for. So when you build an estate plan, we're going to talk about, it, we're going to break it down in a couple of minutes, but basically you're, you're sort of meeting two areas, like the financial planning. A lot of times certified financial planners, we're trained in estate planning. So we help architect the plan because we know where all the money is in your life. Well, we should if, if we're doing our job. So we know where all the money is. And so we're gonna sit down with your lawyer and build a plan that is not just for how your assets move, but also if we're doing our job right, as tax efficiently and seamless as possible. So we'll dive into that. But again, I just wanna make that crystal clear. There's a lot of overlap when you're building an estate plan between the financial planner in your life and the lawyer. And hopefully they're all working together because there's gonna be huge blind spots. Like obviously, my, myself and my client can sit down and we can build all the estate plans, but sometimes we come up and say, well, how do we get this plan to be both asset protection and in, in your particular state, as well as protecting the minors or making sure there's tax efficiency? We have to default to a lawyer because, again, they need to make this legally binding in your state and let us know if the plan that we came up with is feasible. So I just want to make that crystal clear that there's a lot of things you can do without a lawyer, but... This death planning typically needs to be finalized with a lawyer. And I'll say this at the end, but I'll say it again now because it's top of mind. This is not a set it and forget it. The laws change, requiring you to change your plan, and life happens. You know, you might have a beneficiary or a trustee or whatever that you expected to be running all of this when you pass, and maybe something happens to them. Or I see this challenge a lot as people get older. You know, when you're when you're growing up or in your depending on how old you are like a sibling might be a perfect person but if you get into your 70s and 80s they may not be the best person anymore cuz even though you might trust them more than anyone in the world if you live another 10 years are they going to have the capacity to do the job you know like they might want to but as we'll sort of start to dive into being an executor for somebody uh, it's a lot of work it's it's flattering but depending on the estate it's a lot of work so you just have to bear that in mind that whatever you do when you down with your estate plan just like with fitness you don't set it and forget it it's it's an ongoing process to keep your estate plan it's a lot less work than staying in shape but i just want to make that clear that it's not like hey i did my estate plan in 2022 so i'm good forever but anyway let's dive in i said this would be a short episode and i spent six minutes in, in a preliminary conversation about what we're about to do So, again, estate planning is death planning, but I'll read off the the actual definition for you so that it's, I don't leave anything out, basically. It's a process, estate planning is the process by which an individual or family arranges the transfer of assets in anticipation of death. An estate plan aims to preserve maximum amount of wealth possible for the intended beneficiaries and flexibility for the individual prior to death. So basically what that means is, you're preparing to send your assets to your beneficiaries. And there's a couple of things that can become a problem when you pass away. Those could be estate taxes. Those could be going into a probate situation. I'm going to define all that. But basically from a tax perspective, while we're alive, we don't worry about estate taxes because we don't pay them. It's when you die that you pay estate taxes. Now, as I'm recording this in 2022, we are still living under Trump's tax code, which had really favorable estate, federal estate taxes. Meaning if you didn't have a net worth, a personal net worth over $12 million, you paid no federal estate taxes. And then if you're a couple, you have both. So you have $24 million as I'm recording this in 2022. That's been as low as, I think, I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the estate tax has been as low as like, under a million dollars and the the rate was like 50%. Right now it's 40% over 12 million. So the the point here is if you're lucky like most people might listen like well I'm young I don't have a 24 million dollar estate with me and my wife or 12 million if it's just me. But the reason it's also not set it and forget it is because in your lifetime you're probably going to see this thing come crashing down, maybe get moved higher. A very famous case is the owner of the Yankees, Steinbrenner, he died in 2010, which was one of the only years in the last couple of decades, if I'm not mistaken, that there was no estate taxes. So he left like a billion dollars to his kids in the right year, because typically there would have been a pretty hefty fine. So I think his family, I, think, I don't remember the details of what everything was worth when he died, but I think they said he his family saved like hundreds of millions of dollars because he died the right year. But that's the other, but obviously most of us are not, you know, building uh a Yankee franchise, but that's that's just something to remember. It's gonna always move up and down. So the reason you need to worry about this is because, or I should say, not worry, you have to take care of this. It's just like anything with your finances. You have to take care of it because, well, the organizational side of it is, is a whole separate issue. And I'm, I don't plan to get into that, but I'll just say real quick, I just, it just popped into my head. Everything that we do today, and this is something that I really harp, my, harp on my clients with, and if you're a client listening, you might feel like this part of working with me is really annoying. But unfortunately, I've been doing this long enough. It'll be 13 years coming up soon. I've lost a few clients. Like before, I moved into specializing in fitness. I worked with the normal financial planning clients, retirees, executives, things like that. And a lot of them are still with me because when I transitioned, we you know we had a great relationship. I didn't disrupt what I was helping them with. I just expanded into the specialty that that you guys know. But That being said, unfortunately, I've lost a handful of clients to to passing away. And so I've been through this process on the other end. And so I know where the confusion lies with the survivor. And it's terrible because sometimes the person that ends up working with me being the point person of all the finances is really the point person in the entire household. And the other person may not be as closely paying attention. So... I'm not going to, like, I could do my best to articulate to the people who are not interested in being involved in the finances. But at the end of the day, now I collect everything from clients. I I need to know the policy numbers. I know, need to know where everything is. The only thing I don't have is like their passwords, which again, I try to encourage people to use some of the technology that's available so their survivors can get into. Their accounts but you're going to see we're going to talk about this way it's like staying organized is, is a huge part of it because things will get left behind you know like i've had people like we're trying to find their 401ks from years ago and they're alive and having trouble finding it like their own 401k and it's like well imagine how confusing it's going to be for your c- surviving spouse they may not even have known you when you had that 401k at like a job or out of college or something now again i'm i'm sort of speaking i know i'm speaking to mostly younger fitness professionals but this is a reality, even maybe for your parents, you have to have these conversations or, you know, just bear this in mind, like you might be dating somebody that they, you know, if they're 10 years out of college and you guys are thinking about marriage, like where is their 401k, like, you know, or if anyone who's divorced, we're gonna dive into that too. But anyway, I keep going down these rabbit holes, but I wanna emphasize the, the importance of what estate planning really is, because it's very easy for people to wanna ignore this stuff. Like, cause it's not comfortable. It's just like, you know, anyone talking about death, disability, all the things, no one's, no one's looking to harp on these things, but it's really important. And we're going to dive into a few ways that, that we can make this really easy on yourself and your family as well. So what happens when, when you pass away, there is, there's basically two ways that you can designate your property and your assets. You can designate it through a will, or you can designate it through a will substitute. And I'm going to explain in a minute why there's a big reason to care about that. But the main difference that you need to simplify for yourself is the word probate. So what is a will? I'm going to circle back to probate in an in-depth definition. But a will is a legal document that sets forth your wishes regarding the distribution of your property And the care of any minor children okay that's a will everyone's heard most people have heard of a will and they're like oh i probably need to get one cool will substitute meaning it takes the place of the will that's an important distinction i'm going to show you in a couple minutes as well but the definition of a will substitute a legal device that makes it possible for a person to transfer their property to a named beneficiary without having to go through probate let me say that again transfer your property to a beneficiary without going through probate okay so probate is a thing we're trying to avoid what the hell is probate here we go this definition is from because i didn't want to screw this up for you guys this definition is from the american bar association again this is all legal stuff but i'm telling you from a financial standpoint how it all ties together and as you're if you're working with a financial person Get them on the phone and be like, do I have all my will substitutes? Because there's a lot that we financial people can do for you. And that's what, that's going to be the, was the title of this episode. Three things that you can do by yourself or with your finance person. Don't, doesn't cost you a penny and you can do it today. Okay. So what is the probate process from the American Bar Association website? The formal legal process that gives recognition to a will. Again, the will we talked about in the beginning, the legal document that wish that sets forth your wishes regarding distribution of property to and the care of minor children, distribution of your property and the care of minor children. That's the will. So, again, this is the formal process that gives recognition to the will. So it's a legal process that you go through in front of a court giving basically granting the will recognition. Further, further continues with the definition recognition to a will. And appoints the executor or the personal representative. You'll hear both interchangeably, but I use the term executor. But you'll also get the term personal representative. They're the same thing in this process. Uh, like you might hear someone say when they pass away, "like my personal representative," like like I'm representing the estate. Same thing, executor or executress. Uh, for gender purposes, like normal gender stuff, not the weird woke gender stuff. Executor/executress who will administer the estate and distribute assets to the intended beneficiaries. And these laws will vary in each state, so the probate mm-hmm. process is different in every state. This can be so. This the avo- the process of avoiding probate is going to be more or less important depending on the nature of the probate in your state. I believe, and I'm, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I believe one of the worst states for probate is California, but that may not shock anybody. All right, so I'm gonna read that again real quick because I did pause to try to add some explanations. So the probate process, and again, since this is a, a legal process, they are uh, public record, because again, these are filed in court. So what is the probate process? The formal legal process that gives recognition to a will and appoints the executor slash personal representative who will administer the estate and distribute the assets to the intended beneficiaries. That's it. So basically, you're just setting up a court process to execute the desires of your will. So that's what we're trying to avoid because you already know what you want from your, like how you want your assets to move. So here, how can we just get them to move there without needing a lawyer to usher you through a legal court hearing? or court process. Cause you don't necessarily have to be there again, but lawyers can do this for you, but let's think of better ways to avoid it. Cause in, in some ways you can't avoid the, this probate process, but in a lot of ways we're going to sh- teach you how to move the bulk of your assets through it. Okay. Now a will substitute, again, you're designating a beneficiary. So the first one, again, these, there's a three free things that you can do yourself. You don't need anybody's help and you can do it tomorrow or today, depending on when you listen to this. I'm sorry, today's Sunday where I'm recording it, so I'm thinking business day, but you can do it today. So the first one is naming a beneficiary on a retirement account or an insurance policy. You've probably heard of these before, so that one you're like, yeah, no kidding. But depending on which financial firm you're at, you can't even open the account unless you name a beneficiary. But so again, you're gonna be naming your beneficiary on retirement accounts, your 401k, insurance policies, annuities, anything like that they always have a beneficiary designation and that's what they're talking about is you put your let's say your kids name on there it flows to them all they have to do is basically show proof to the financial company that uh, the death certificate obviously they're going to have on file who they are so they prove who they are and that's basically it obviously all these firms are going to have a little bit different paperwork but that's basically it you're just proving two things you are who you say you are and they already know who the beneficiary on the record is and then you prove that the person is deceased that's it so that's the first one the second one is you can name a beneficiary on an investment account sorry let me back let me back up a second because i think this is pretty cool uh well not cool maybe i don't know whatever it's it's interesting this is this stuff is has been fought in court so and i'm going to harp on you guys probably once or twice more for the end of this podcast so you have to review this stuff and there's i had to look it up just to make sure the supreme court case hillman versus moretta m-a-r-e-t-t-a for anyone who wants to google google stuff in 2013 this went to the supreme court i believe it was a person who passed away and their ex-wife was on the insurance policy and the current wife fought saying that she should be given access to this. I don't know the details of whether she was on the will. I assume so, because it went all the way to Supreme Court saying that the ex-wife should not have it and she's the rightful owner. Long story short, the Supreme Court says, no, we don't know for sure that he wanted his new spouse to get this. So it is to forget the will, it's defaulting to the beneficiary designation. So that's why like this stuff is, is again, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't tell you how you interpret tax law, but this is pretty ironclad stuff in that, regardless of what you put in your will, if you forgot to change the beneficiary designation from your ex-wife, or maybe it was your parents before you had kids or whatever the case may be, or maybe it was your sibling before you had kids, whatever it is, if you don't change it and you pass away, I don't care what you did with your estate plan, with your will, and all this other stuff. If your 401k says the, the, your old beneficiary that you don't want anymore, too bad. That's who's getting it. So I want to emphasize that. All this stuff that we're about to talk about, that Supreme Court case, Hillman versus Moretta, is what – and again, I might say her name wrong, but this is what sets the precedent that who cares what the will says. These beneficiary documents are the trump card. So the first one, again, beneficiary and retirement account and insurance policy. You can check that right away. Call up your 401k provider, call up your insurance company, say, please send me my my beneficiaries, review them. Make sure it's the right person. If not, ask for a change of beneficiary form. Now, here's where the, the next two you may not be aware of. You can put a beneficiary designation on a traditional brokerage account meaning like these are not retirement accounts. It's just like your TD Ameritrade account that you just put your inve- your stocks and bonds in and you plan to not use it for whenever, 20, 30 years, but it's fully liquid. These are not retirement accounts. Regular brokerage accounts. You can put what's called a transfer on death, T-O-D. Uh, some places might call it a pay on death, P O D. but either way, whatever your financial firm calls it, get that get that beneficiary designation form and add a beneficiary. So again, if you've got, you start building up half a million dollars, million dollars worth of assets in this Fidelity or TD Ameritrade account, put your beneficiaries on there. So again, all they need to do is supply the death certificate and whatever proof that they are, who they say they are, to the financial firm. The third one is a bank. Just like investment accounts, people overlook this. Some of the bigger... Companies now, like the online ones, I, think, I feel like you're getting more sophisticated with reminding people to add a beneficiary, but you need to. You add a beneficiary to your bank accounts, your checking accounts, your savings accounts. You can add beneficiary designation to all of these things. And again, that's what I'm saying. Like this, the, Those three things I just talked to you about, it's requesting the right paperwork where most of the banks now, you can just go online and update your beneficiary designation, check your bank accounts, and you're good to go. So again, it's it's super important that you do these things because, again, I can't emphasize it enough. If you give them your will, but you didn't change the beneficiary designation, nobody cares. It goes by the beneficiary designation on that document. So review, review, review. If you're a client of mine, and I'm recording this in the middle of August, we're in the process now of sending everybody their current beneficiary designations just to look at and be like, hey, is this what you wanted? And we're tweaking things. Like you might look at it and be like, oh yeah, like I have this, this happening for a few people. They have their their kids as the beneficiary, but they may not have per stirpes, meaning if their kid is deceased, you want things to go, that share of money to go to your kid's kids. So again, if if, if that's not on there, let's add it. If you don't have a contingent on there, let's add it. Like, these are all things you should be reviewing. And I'm not going to give you, like I do it every year with my clients. Like, Again, sometimes it's overkill, but I don't care because I think this stuff is super important. And it's, it's like the easy stuff. It's like the low hanging fruit. Like we spend all this time trying to build your wealth. Like let's make sure it doesn't accidentally go to the wrong person. Like that's like, geez. Anyway, enough of that. So now those are the three things. And that's the main thing I wanted to discuss in this podcast. But we moved pretty quick through those. So I, I wanna I wanna just go back. So now here's some more will substitute the a main will substitute. Again, this is 100 gonna require a lawyer, and I I don't even know. I think you might be able to do these on legal scene, but don't don't do that to yourself. This one the next one is a living trust. And people have heard about these probably the most, like getting a trust. And that's pretty helpful because that allows you to do similar to what we talked about before with adding a bank account or a retirement account the living trust it allows you to move like your big assets real estate things like that and so like a a trust can own real estate it can own your business it can name all these things and again now everything is going off of your trust document who the trustees are who the beneficiary is all of, that thing, all of those things are going to be controlled by the living trust. I'm not going to dive too deep into that because that's where you need to stand with a lawyer. Now, if you're working with a certified financial planner, they should be qualified to help you architect this whole thing. Because again, if they're looking at your entire financial life, and this is why I harp on the fact that it's it's super valuable to have someone who's looking at both your personal life and your business life. Because these are the types of things that they're going to know to integrate for you. Like I've told you guys in the past, I worked with a financial advisor right out of college. He spent most of his time buying me insurance policies I didn't need. There's no way he would have been qualified to help me talk about how I can move the ownership of my business to the trust. And then more importantly, a mistake you're going to need to avoid is you go and sit down in front of a lawyer, however much they charge you. You know some are very expensive some that i've heard my clients who are extremely reasonable but (laughs) i'm trying to think of a good analogy but i can't think of on the top of my head but basically building this trust is like you you build this entire shell if you don't put anything in it i don't know i I keep thinking stupid analogies like i don't know i I, the point is if you build the trust and you don't retitle the assets in the name of the trust it's useless so funding the trust so meaning you just bought a property, who owns that property now? Your trust, it should. You bought a vacation property, who owns it? You or your trust? Because again, you can have this beautiful trust with all these provisions because inside of a trust you can have a very creative provision. Unfortunately, I've seen this with some of my older legacy clients where they have clauses in there where like if if a kid's struggling with substance abuse, they they don't get their money or Whatever whatever the case may be. And again, like some people like are extremely successful at an early age, and like, well, my kids aren't financially mature enough, so I can't let them have the money. You can you can set an age limit on that. If your kids are very young, you need to have people in place that are going to take care of their financial well-being because they're not old enough to receive money yet. These are all the things that the, the trust language can put together. Like you can have a situation where and now yeah, this is very relevant for people who are young. You know, if you're listening to this, you're young, you're married, you have have very young children, very uncomfortable conversation I have with clients all the time. Again, this, this sucky part about my job is like, you have to talk about a lot of these doom and gloom scenarios. And I'll give you one right now that let's say you're married. You're the first to go. Your kids are very young. So you just leave everything to your spouse and then they pass away, or sorry, let's say you leave everything to your spouse after five, 10 years, whatever. Let's say they remarry, and they leave, every. then they pass away, and they left everything to their spouse. Now you're in a situation, because you didn't plan, where your assets are now potentially in the hands of a stranger, and could they disinherit your kids. And that's like a shitty scenario but I bring that up to people because that's sometimes a conversation you have it's like well do you want to leave things 100% to somebody or do you want to build something that allows you to protect the money ultimately for your kids. Now again I don't not place in judgment I don't I'm just saying I throw these things out to people because Before you sit down in front of a lawyer, I give my clients like these questionnaires and questions like this because that's the awkward stuff that you and your spouse need to go and talk about because you don't like just from a saving money perspective, I can give you a lot of the uncomfortable things you need to think about. You don't need to sit in front of a lawyer at whatever the hourly wage is while you think about it. (laughs) Like you can, you know, like they're, they're simple decisions, but they're not easy to make. But they're simple, like because you're designating like what's going to happen here, you know. But they're not easy to come to those decisions. You know, you're gonna like one of the other things you have to consider is like who's going to have custody of your kids, and that's not easy if people don't live near each other. Like, do they do they also have kids? Like, you know, as I don't need to explain it. If you are a parent with young kids, and that question just popped in your head, like who's going to take care of your kids if you and your spouse dies, you and your spouse might have different opinions on that. So, but we're getting down the road of like the actual trust itself. And so I, I'm just saying that that's something that you should really consider. But if you do get the trust or when you get your trust built, you have to keep funding it because otherwise it's doing nothing for you. And like anything else, because of the pieces involved, like trustees and things like that, people that are helping to execute the trust after you pass away. Because again, maybe your kids, most people listening to this, your kids would be young if you passed away in the next 10 years or so. So they're not going to be the trustee most likely. So who's going to execute all those decisions as a trustee? There's third-party trustees to do it. Obviously, they're not cheap or they're not free. I should say some might be reasonably, but there are third-party people to do it. you feel like I don't trust anyone. And, th- and quite frankly, this is what I planned on talk about, but we're on the trust topic. So I'll just give you some more insights into it. When you are a trustee, more so, even than maybe not more so, but it's very in a way more so. There's a lot of things that really need to be done, and so it's not. It's important that you designate someone who's not just someone you trust, but someone who's pretty decently organized. They don't necessarily have to be financially minded, but that would help. But they definitely have to be organized. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of deadlines. There's a lot of rules. Because again, like you can set up a ton of different rules. Like you could have a situation where you know, let's say you're you're divorced, for instance. So you have kids with your previous spouse, and you remarry. You might right out of the gate protect that by saying, "Okay, well, if I pass away, uh, you can live in the house, but everything's ultimately going to my kids, to my biological kids." In that scenario, again, you can control all that. So the trustee's in charge of making sure all that happens. So it's not necessarily like like you might think, like you pass away and then we're just dividing assets. Sometimes. Things get uh, held in the trust on purpose, strategically for you know letting kids get old enough, or mature enough, or letting someone who you care about use an asset for a period of time, or they or while they're alive, or whatever it is. Like so, there's a ton of things you can do, but that's why it's important that you don't think about this. Like, okay, well I do it once and then I'm done. But again, this is why you need lawyers because all of that that I talked about you can do, but a lawyer needs to make it legally binding for you. So, I wouldn't recommend, like I th- think I talked about this last week too. Like, I wouldn't recommend just getting your buddy who's a lawyer and saying, Hey, can you build my estate plan? You should get an estate attorney to do it because that's there's a lot of nuances that, again, they, they do this day in and day out. And quite frankly, my clients that I've had them say, My buddy did my estate plan, they're usually the ones that their stuff is completely unfunded. So, it's like, Yeah, I have this trust and this, this trust document, but nothing's in it. My business isn't is owned by me personally. My one of my houses is owned by my trust. My newest property is not, and it's like, well, what the hell? Like, well, the trust is basically doing nothing. So, it's and it's important that you you bring the right people in. And hopefully, if you're listening to this, if you have a financial person, I really hope they're they're bringing up the estate topic with you because it's a lot of it is is just poor thought, if that's a term. So. That's that's everything I wanted to get into today. And, you know, again, there's I'll give a quick recap. It's basically when you when you're worrying about passing Well, not worrying about it, everyone's going to die, but when when you're planning on what things are going to happen when you pass away, the main considerations are what taxes might you end up paying and what the legal process will be to give these assets to your kids as, or not necessarily kids, your beneficiaries as seamlessly and efficiently as possible so you want to do that as as much as you can you want to find a way to use a will substitute meaning you designate them as a beneficiary whether that's through a beneficiary designation document like on a retirement account an insurance an investment account a bank account like we talked about or like putting it in a trust like again those are the vehicles that the wealth you're using to pass things along and again most listening we don't have to go into like what are you to do if you pay taxes because that's a really good problem to have but at the moment 24 million dollars per couple is is pretty nice so i'll just say this one last thing on this cuz i just thought of it quite frankly you you might see a lot i'm always trying to get do my best to shine light on the insurance world because i'm i'm fully licensed to sell insurance just by the way i outsource it just because, I mean, I get paid on it, but I outsource it to experts because they they do this day in and day out. But I'll I'll tell you this: it's permanent policies pay a ton, and so people are very excited to sell those to you. I don't see, I don't know, too many reasons that it makes sense to be a, a permanent one. There's a few. There, there. I'm not. I'll just rattle them off. Buy sell agreements for your business because obviously you can't have a shelf life on that. Your business partner can't like have a term policy and you outlive it by a year, special needs, you know, like God forbid you're, you're dealing with a special needs situation for one of your children. You can't risk outliving it in a, like an in in term policy. You need the money to be there. If that's, if that's the goal and don't have enough saved in your assets. And then one of the third reasons that was popular is these life insurance policies that were put inside of a trust to pay estate taxes for people. And so although that that might become popular again so basically here here's the way that would work is if you own i'm just going to make make a a pretty outlandish I'll just say there's all right I'll make it t- sorry let's say that part of your estate is com- or your your estate is completely illiquid let's say it's 10 million let's make it 20 million just to make it make it simple if you passed away with a 21 person with a 20 million dollar estate. I'm going to say sorry, I keep changing it on you. I'm going to say a 22 million dollar estate. And here's the reason why because the first 12 million is free. The second 10 million is where you pay because again right now it's at 12 million dollars. So you pass away with a 22 million dollar estate. And let's say just to keep it simple, this was all just one giant building. That your parent owned or that you own and you want to give to your kids. If, depending on the situation, there might be debt on it, you know, whatever the case may be, or you just want to keep the the asset. If you pass away that $22 million building, because it's $10 million more than more than the, the estate limit, there would be a $4 million tax because again, it's a 40% tax rate at the moment. So that $10 million is getting hit at 40%. So $4 million in that scenario you left your kids a 22 million dollar building and a 4 million dollar tax liability where they may not have that cuz like well i have this building but now i got to take out debt on it and you don't want to risk like you just don't know what could be the situation like maybe for whatever reason we're in a recession and lenders are like well we don't want to give you that that loan you know maybe they've maybe they recently did some reconstructions whatever like doesn't matter like it might be hard to get that four million dollars so you don't want to put your family in a situation where they're liquidating assets because they have a humongous tax bill so in back in the day people say well why don't you just pay for a four million dollar life insurance policy that will always be there and that can sit outside of your your estate you can do some tax strategies with it to not have to pay on that and that gives the the money to your kids to use for the uh, life to pay that estate tax bill. So, but I just want to be clear on something with the current, like that might become popular again, but don't let an insurance person tell you now, be like, Oh, look, these used to be really popular. Like you should get it too. These to really popular because again, we talked about like the estate taxes used to be like a million dollars before you started paying. So, a lot of Americans were getting hit with huge tax bills that their family didn't have, especially again, if it's part of your business or you're part of your real estate, like these are assets. Like it's different. If you have like a $20 million stock portfolio might not be the end of the world if they have to clip off 4 million bucks, but like a building might be hard. Or if you have a business that's worth $20 million, like they might not be able to just like have 4 million just hanging around. So, but, I just want to say because that this is part of the estate planning conversation, the insurance sharks are going to be swimming around being like, oh, like, well, you know, why don't we just cover this tax liability? Just be super careful about that. It, it used to be popular because of that low threshold. Currently, we don't have that low threshold, so I don't want you to buy policies to pay taxes that are probably bullshit a lot of times. Again, like that being said, like if these these get repealed they might make sense again but just be eyes wide open on being sold these huge permanent policies that often i don't see the financial need for we can debate the the infinite infinite banking thing but most people i know can help you look at it a way where you can control it a little bit better i'm not going down that road today but i'm just saying just be careful when it comes to estate planning when the insurance sharks are like trying to solve all these problems for you with humongous, expensive life insurance policies. I'm gonna pay them handsomely. All right, guys, I told you it'd be a short episode and I did not deliver on that. It was much longer than I expected, but thank you for hanging in with me. I'm definitely running late for the gym and to get to the airport, but uh, thanks again, guys. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes.